0: But it's so much easier to make somebody else the issue rather than say, I'm the and I believe that Jesus today says the same thing to us with whoever it is that we have decided should be condemned. He said, whichever one of you is without sin, let him start the killing. Brothers and sisters, we've got to look in before we look out.
1: Whether it's someone close to you or a person who's behaved badly in the news, we're always silently judging someone. When we see someone caught in sin, what should be our response? To look inward. That's the challenge we'll receive today as Pastor Daniel examines how Jesus handled the situation of a woman caught in the act of adultery. The evidence against her was clear. There was a logical penalty, but Jesus acted in an unexpected way. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, I am the light of the world. Said,
0: the reason I said it's interesting it was, It's private, then it's public Now, you got to look in before you look out Because they want to accuse her And Jesus is like, well listen, if any of you want to Whoever's without sin, you, you can cast the first stone at her He's saying, look, before you go look in Seeing who you're going to nitpick at You better take a good look in your own heart you got to look in Before you look out Now what's interesting about this Is what we're going to find Is that the Pharisees and scribes In Jesus' day Are a lot like us today Because we're really good At nitpicking somebody else And we're really lousy At turning a mirror And looking at our own hearts Aren't we? It's so much easier To notice somebody else's mistakes And it's so easy to Overlook our own blind spots Now Now To put ourselves back in the story here, this woman is in trouble. I mean, imagine this, right? All of a sudden, these guys come and they take this woman and and they're they're bringing her into the temple courts and all of a sudden, then Jesus is there and they bring her before and like, look, this woman was caught in the act and in the law, it says that such a one should be stoned. Now, this means stoned with rocks, not stoned with weed. Now, I need to say that because we live in Washington, right? And so you guys, you guys know. So I, I just want to make sure that you guys got... This is, This means death by stones being thrown at you. Okay? Now, where do they get that from? There's actually two places in the law that talk about a woman caught in the act of adultery. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, which says this. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor... Both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. Then again, in Deuteronomy 22, 22 to 24, it says, if a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, you shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. Now, I want you to notice first, the severity for infidelity in God's word is capital. Capital. Now, someone is bound to say, well, I just can't believe that. I mean, why would God take this so seriously? How many of you, when you read the Old Testament, how many of you think God's punishments are just way severe, way off the scale? It's okay, you can raise your hand. So Everyone's just kind of like... <laughs> Listen, they do seem severe in our culture. You know why? Because our culture doesn't value the things that God does. Now, this is what I want to tell you. You realize that every mistake is a capital crime in your Bible. You know that, right? Why? Because the wages of sin is death. If you have an impure thought, that's a capital crime. People die because of that. And the message of the Bible is that Jesus died in our place so that we don't have to. See, that's the gospel message, that Jesus died the death that we deserve for all the dumb things, the rebellious things, the things we didn't even realize were bad. How many of us have done things that we didn't realize were bad, and later you're like, that was bad. Yeah, all of us. And what's funny is you don't even know some of those things still. You've done all sorts of things. You didn't even realize what was at stake, and you still did them. And Jesus died that death for us. Every mistake is a capital crime, but... Infidelity breaks down the family. It breaks down the family. And the family was God's primary discipleship unit within his society. Now, I know there's no doubt in a congregation this size with hundreds of people watching online, there's some people here who you're like, that's me. Now listen, you're going to watch the way Jesus deals with this, and it's going to drive all of us into the arms of Jesus. Because they bring this woman and they're like, the law says that this woman deserves to die. What do you say? And it says in there that they were doing it, why? To test Jesus, that they might have something to accuse him of. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but this woman is in trouble because her accusers are more interested in destroying Jesus than saving her life. you realize that? Nobody's thinking about this woman. They're like, I just want to get rid of Jesus. I just want to discredit Jesus. I just want to make sure that everybody knows that they shouldn't be following this Jesus guy. And their ideology is now anti-person. Now, my friends, listen. I say that because we have to be careful that our ideology does not become anti-humanity. You realize that? That Jesus came to give life. And we have to be careful not to start marginalizing people who we don't agree with, even though we don't agree with them. You know you've moved from the heart of God to an ideology when it becomes destructive of another person. Jesus is rough, isn't he? Because in each one of our hearts, no matter how much you love Jesus... We always, and it happens in church. I'm a pastor of a church. I've been pastoring churches for 15 years. I find it's so easy. There's a subtle move. I don't agree with them, but now my ideology jumps over the heart of Jesus because oftentimes we want to destroy people in the cause of Jesus. That's what these guys want to do. They're trying to catch Jesus so that they don't have to deal with him. And Jesus is amazing because notice what he does first. First, it says in the middle of verse six, but Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now, what was Jesus writing on the ground? Nobody knows. No, listen, I read enough commentary. I can give you all sorts of hypotheticals, but what do we always say here? When the Bible is silent, what? We should be also. It doesn't say what Jesus, he was just writing in the dirt something. Whether he was just kind of playing with the dirt. But he didn't respond right away. Now, my friends, listen. This is a really, really good thing. Because oftentimes when you're in the middle of conflict, your first response is going to do you in, right? The first thing that comes to mind often. Now, I'm not saying it's the case for Jesus. I'm just we're trying to glean from his life and be able to say, "I want to be like Jesus." When you are, when all of a sudden conflict shows up, maybe the best thing to do is to do nothing for a second. Because I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but when conflict shows up my way, I just come out swinging. You know, you just like oh, you just jump right in, and it's never the right thing. It's always like after you say, it, you're like, I can't believe I just did that. Or like some of you, maybe it's later, right? You're like, what was I doing? See, Jesus just waits, and they keep asking him, and they keep asking him. And then it says that Jesus, he raised himself up, in verse seven, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at him first. He said, listen, if you want to kill her, whoever has not made a mistake, you're allowed to go first. See, that's why I said, you need to look in before you do what? Look out. He's saying, look, you want to come condemn this woman to death? You want to be the first one to throw the stone at her? Let the person who has no sin throw the first stone. Now, in Jewish culture, and in some areas of the Middle East today, when someone, when they're carrying out capital punishment, the accusers are the one who have to I- initiate it. So he's saying, look, okay, whoever's without sin, go for it. And what's interesting is, look at what happens. Because you, you see what goes on. You can imagine standing there. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Verse 9 says, Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. See, Jesus simply says, look, you want to stone this woman to death? Whoever's without sin, throw the first stone. And all of a sudden, there's a stop. And all of a sudden, they start looking in their hearts. And it says the oldest to the youngest all started to leave. My friends, before you notice somebody else's mistake, before you look out, what do you need to do? You need to look in. Jesus teaches this all over the place. It's like in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, if you notice the speck in your brother's eye, what should you do first? Deal with the plank in your own eye. The idea is if, if your brother's got a speck of sawdust, you gotta take the four by eight out of your own eye. That, and it's interesting. Jesus isn't playing around because he's saying they have a speck. You got a plank. They got a little piece of sawdust. You got the whole two by four in there. And he's not saying that they don't have the speck. He's saying before you worry about them, you need to worry about you. Didn't Jesus do the same thing? With Remember on the shores of the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection with Peter and Jesus restored Peter? And then Peter looks over at John and he's like, well, Lord, what about that guy? And Jesus in effect says, don't worry about him. You follow me. He's saying, look, you got enough to worry about Peter. I had to go out of my way to restore you on your own. You've already messed up enough. Don't worry about them. You worry about you. Now, you know what's hard about that? We really like not having to look at ourselves and looking at other people, don't we? It makes us feel better. See, the problem with humanity today, and I'm saying humanity, I mean me and you and everybody, is everybody wants to look at someone else and say, oh, they're so bad, because in some ways it makes us feel good. And we love to villainize people who make mistakes. Why? Because it's so much easier to focus on someone else's garbage than it is to look at our own garbage. See, my friends, listen. The heart of God is not that we worry about somebody else. We need to worry about our own lives. And we all have more than enough to work on. See, God wants to make us gracious and not judgmental. See, the oldest to the youngest. Why was it the oldest to the youngest? Well, I think quite simply because the older people had lived long enough To be able to say, look, I've made more than enough mistakes That who am I to do it? See, sometimes there's a zealousness in young people Like, yeah Yeah, they're all messed up and I'm so holy And then you're like, well, not really The leading of humility comes from those who've been around longer Because they've had more 24-hour periods to totally make mistakes And what's interesting is notice they were convicted by their own what? Consciences. It doesn't say they were convicted by the Holy Spirit either. Their own consciences, their own internal moral compass said, I can't. Brothers, sisters, listen. I know that right now in every one of our hearts, there is somebody or some group of people that we are judging. Ray Rice, the football player. Adults should never hit each other. Okay, and men definitely shouldn't hit women, right? But everyone's enjoying totally character assassinating this guy, right? And what's interesting is, to put it in context, Jesus would say, listen, before you character assassinate him, you better look in your own heart. Now, know what someone's going to say? Well, I would never hit a woman, but you do something else. See, everybody's got something in their own heart, something in their own heart that is an affront to God. All of us do. And that is exactly why Jesus came and died. Now, I'm not minimizing what Ray Rice did. And straight up, when you saw him dragging his, his fiance out of the elevator, like, what do you think happened in there? I mean, nothing good happened in there. And now you see the video and you're like, man, that is awful. But then if we take Jesus' advice and we look in before we look out, you know what you should say when you look in your own heart? Man, that's awful. I'm worse than I realize. And and when we realize that we are worse than we realize, that shouldn't drive us away from God. That should drive us right into the presence of God. Because God doesn't say, you're all messed up and get out of my face. God says, look, you're all messed up and I want you to be my child and I want to change you from the inside out. See, that's the difference between who God is. See, Because of what Ray Rice did, he's a pariah. No one can even say anything to try and say, look, man, I still believe in you even though you messed up. Our culture won't let it, our politically correct culture won't let it. But you know what God is saying to Ray Rice right now? I'm not done with you yet. And if you put your faith and trust in my son, then you're still my son, even though you totally screwed that up. That's so bad, it makes us want to, we feel sick to our stomach, but I am not finished with you yet. And you know what the thing is? You and I need to learn to be like God and not like a culture that likes to push away people when they need people the most. See, that's the gospel. And what happens is is oftentimes within churches, when people make a mistake in church, everybody pushes them away when God is running to them. And we need to learn this because when somebody crashes and burns, we've all crashed and burned, but Jesus still died and rose again. See, the gospel never writes somebody off as too far gone. But it's so much easier to make somebody else the issue rather than say, I'm the issue. And I believe that Jesus today says the same thing to us with whoever it is that we have decided should be condemned. He said, whichever one of you is without sin, Let him start the killing. Brothers and sisters, we got to look in before we look out. Now look at what happens. Jesus is left alone with this woman. And it says in verse 10, And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are these accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now right here, beautiful, I got four words for you. No condemnation, be free. That's what he says to her. No condemnation, be free. He steps up, everyone's gone. He looks at her, he says, where are the accusers? Does nobody condemn you? She says, nobody. He says, neither do I condemn you. Wow. Now, if there was one person who was there who was without sin, who could have thrown the stone. Who was it? It was Jesus. He was the one person who could have picked up that stone and said, listen, what you did was wrong and I have the right by right of my perfection to be able to judge. He says, neither do I condemn you. And my friends, this reminds us, of course, of Romans chapter eight, verse one, which says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who trust in Christ Jesus. No matter what you've done, there is no condemnation for those who trust and believe in Jesus. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad it is, no matter how many people judged you for it, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And that's good news, isn't it? Because we've all done infinite number of things to deserve condemnation, but there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He says, I don't condemn you either. And then he says, go and what? Sin no more. Now, this is where Jesus is unique because he's not saying, hey, no big deal. Just go on out and sleep with someone else's husband. Have at it. Be a swinger. He doesn't say that kind of stuff. He says, no, no, listen. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, I said no condemnation. Be free. Why? Why? Because true freedom is sinning no more. That's where true freedom, it reminds us of John 8, 36, later in this chapter, it says, whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. I've quoted this before, Thomas Merton, I read, he said this. He said, the man who has to give in to every one of his desires is never free. See, we live in a culture where everyone wants freedom, I want to do whatever I want in the name of freedom, but everyone giving in to everything they want at every moment, that's not freedom, that's slavery. See, true freedom is stepping out into the new life that Jesus bought for you. And when you step on into that and you don't do what you used to do and you live differently, there is where freedom is. I've always said it, true freedom is not anarchy doing whatever you want. True freedom is existing within the fences that God gives us. Many of you have heard this. I'll say it again. Imagine you have a house and your backyard goes right up to I-5, right? Like me, I have three little kids, right? Now, are my kids free to be kids in my backyard if I don't put a fence up and a high fence? Can you imagine my little Annabelle doing the three-legged crawl? She does that. She eats one leg up. It's totally cool. It's like a half army crawl. In the backyard, if there's no fence, she Crawl right up to I-5. She doesn't realize what's going on. Is, is she free? Am I a good, loving father if I let her do that? If I let Maranatha in her ballet shoes just fairy flitter all the way onto I-5? No, she's not free in that backyard. Why? Because if she goes out on that road, that road's gonna take her out. But when is she free? When I put a nice four-foot fence up there that no one can get over. Then they can run like maniacs. But because of the fence, now they're free to enjoy. And see, most people, when they think about freedom, they think, I want no rules. But what you find when there's no rules is that there's also no freedom. Because a life with no rules is destructive. That's why nobody likes being in a scene of anarchy. We have a man on our staff who was a police officer in L.A. during the L.A. riots. I'm like, what was that like? He says, it was absolutely terrifying. Why? Because in anarchy, no one feels safe. Nobody, even though there's freedom to do whatever you want, nobody feels safe. And so when Jesus says, or listen, I don't condemn you, now go and sin no more. He's saying, look, I don't condemn you. I want you to be free by being different than you were before. And my friends, I believe God is calling each one of us to be different. We all struggle with sin. That's why we believe in Jesus. Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, I'm sure there's some people here today, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And all you need to do is say yes to Jesus, and He will not condemn you and set you free. He'll say, Listen, I don't condemn you. Just don't don't keep doing it. See, true repentance is hating something enough to quit. True repentance is saying, That is destructive. I'm not going to keep doing it. And then Jesus says, Verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, what's interesting here is he spoke to them. Who did Jesus speak to? So either this is the beginning of a new section, or in my Bible, it's on the end of this section. So we know that Jesus has said this numerous times. He didn't just say something one time and never said it again. So he's calling out, he's saying, look, I am... The light of the world. That's the I am statement. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. My friends, we need to have the light of life. We need to have the light of life. Do you realize this? That Jesus is the light of the world and he wants to share his light with you.
1: Jesus is real. Today we heard that there is no condemnation for those who trust in Jesus. That's huge because we've all done horrible things. Jesus is unlike any other because he offers another way. Like the woman we heard about, there is freedom in sinning no more. It's our joy to bring you Jesus Is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus Is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when we hear about another thing that Jesus calls himself, the door. A door is good for two things, going in and going out. We'll find out how each relates to his relationship with him. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series entitled, I Am. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.